Hi, readers. Welcome to Books Connect Us from Penguin Random House. This is a podcast about staying connected with each other and the stories and authors who inspire us. Born in Trinidad, Ingrid Pursued won the Commonwealth Short Story Prize in 2017 and the BBC Short Story Award in 2018. Her new novel, Love After Love, has been praised as a best book of the summer by Time, The Guardian, Goop, and Lit Hub. In vibrant, addictive Trinidadian prose, Love After Love questions who and how we love, the obligations of family, and the consequences of choices made in desperation. Let's join One World editor Nicole Counts in conversation with author Ingrid Pursued. Hi, Ingrid. How are you? Hi, Nicole. Lovely to to be chatting to you. Wish we were together. I know. I do wish we were together. I I actually both, I wish we were both in in Trinidad. Where are you quarantining right now? I'm in London and uh, it's uh, probably hotter than the Caribbean today. <laughs> it's actually that's that's funny because it's raining here. I think we've we've uh, switched weather systems. <laughs> ah. um, before we get into the book, you know, I just wanted to know how quarantine is going. Um, if you're writing during it, if you know you've you've watched any good movies or TV lately. So I'm not a a, a TV person, and uh, quarantine hasn't made me one. Um, I thought I would read more than I did. Um, and I've also been reading different things. So, um, I've been reading more poetry than I've done before rather than fiction. It's definitely been a a quiet introspective time. Mm, That's interesting. I, I feel like I'm also reading more poetry. Um, it must be the short kind of impactful format, you know? I, I was just thinking that um, I'm not sure if it's the short impact um, or the fact that poets just understand life better than the rest of us. <laughs> and so we can get to the heart of, of a feeling um, in poetry in a way that perhaps we can't in anything else other than music. Mm. You know, I, um, when I, when I, when I first started reading your book, you know, of course I, you you read the title first and of course your title, um, stems from Derek Walcott's poem, you know, love after love, uh, which I think that poem is probably most famous for its ending line, sit feast on your life. Um, but the first stanza of the poem, you know, invites the reader to really see themselves. Um, and it, it kind of asks the reader to trust. I'm, I'm just going to read a part of it because I find it so beautiful. Um, the time will come when with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror and each smile at each other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. So you know, um, can you tell us what drew you to this poem and why you chose, you know, to title your book after this poem? Well, the poem is is such an incredibly beautiful and I think universally loved poem uh, uh, that asks us to consider perhaps the most difficult love, which is of oneself. And the journeys that all three protagonists in my book take 
are ultimately about loving themselves. Um, loving each other um, can only be secondary to that. And so it seemed, it just seemed like the right sort of uh, title. And of course, it is done with great deference um, to Derek Walcott, um, who is, you know, apart from the fact that we Trinis like to claim him, even though he's St. <laughs> Lucian, um, you know, he is, he was one of the greats. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so, you know, all books are born of ourselves. Um, I'm curious, is there anything autobiographical in your work? And, uh, you know, what character do you relate most to? I hate to think that, um, you know, it's all autobiographical, um, but I'm writing about um, home in a very personal sense. And um, I am drawing on, on memory and um, the, the smells and sights and sounds of home. But in terms of the events and the characters, you know, maybe they're an amalgamation of, of various people I've known, mm. but um, none of it is particularly um, autobiographical. Were there certain moments in the book that were hardest to write or, or, you know, if not hardest to write, what was the hardest part of your writing process? I think writing about death was hard. Writing about self-harming was hard. And I think they should be difficult to write about. Um, they should cause you uh, to feel stressed and um, pain. They should cause you the pain that they're causing the character you're writing. Um, but I'll tell you what embarrassed me the most was um, <laughs> writing the sex. And <laughs> that, was, that was just horrible. And, you know, when you think that, um, you know, your mom might read this, <laughs> it's really horrible. Um, and uh, I remember having a really hard time writing um, uh, an early scene um, of, of failed sex and uh, without giving too much away um, in the book and um, finding it really really tough and, and being unable to give um, my my friend Luke who who's my first reader uh, um, this piece and he said to me um, you should feel uh, embarrassed and you should feel pain and you should feel all the things that you're feeling because you're putting yourself on the line and if you're not feeling those mm. things then you're not digging deep enough mm. and so I sort of um, wrote you know kind of half covering my face um, <laughs> but, but it got done in the end <laughs> and I think it got done very well in the end um, you know there's a lot of like heart-wrenching scenes in the book but there's also a lot of humor in the book um, you know, there's a lot of points where I was literally laughing out loud. So, you know, how do you use humor in your writing? How is that? How has humor influenced your writing? I don't think I know how to write other than to to write with um, 
with humor because maybe that's how I see life. I see, you know, we have a saying in Trinidad, laugh and cry, live in the same house. And um, I definitely feel that, that, you know, even in, in one's worst moments, if you can take the ego out of it and, and look in on yourself, usually something pretty funny is going on. <laughs> I like that saying, and I, and I like the idea of taking the ego out of it. I think that's something we could all stand to live by a little, um, a little more thoughtfully. So, you know, um, besides humor, I think one of my, my other favorite things about the book is all the mouthwatering uh, food that's described in this book. Um, and when I was thinking about it, I think there's also a lot of like key scenes that take place in the kitchen. So you know, I'm curious about the significance of food and the kitchen and your work and, and in your larger life. If you're a Trini, food is a key part of one's life. So you, um, you know, people invite you over and you say to them, what you're cooking. And what you're cooking is not, it's not actually a rude thing to ask. It's actually part of the deal. You know, you're not just going to go over to hang out with them. You're going over because they're making roti that day or <laughs> they're baking bread. And um, so, so for Trinidadians, um, food is a key part of um, hospitality and, and, uh, just friendship um, coming together. And so any book about Trinidad had to be about food, uh, mm. had to include food, or else it just wouldn't be authentic, I think, at least, at least for me. What is your favorite uh, dish that you feel like is, is native to Trinidad? Huh, gosh. Okay, so um, a good roti, a good curry duck roti, um, mm -hmm. would be perhaps my, you know, my last meal preference. Um, <laughs> huh, what else? Gosh, there's so much good stuff. Um, curry chickpeas. I could, I could snack on that forever. Mm, I've never I'm had sorry. curry chickpeas. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can only, I mean, I'm sort of getting wild in my mind thinking of all the good stuff. You know, I was looking back at some of the photos from Trinidad that you had sent to me early on in, in the process um, and kind of looking back with, with a deep sadness in the sense that, you know, I can't travel right now, but um, did you have to do research for the book? Um, and what, what kind of research if you did? Well, I wrote the book in self-imposed exile between London and Barbados, um, which were the two places I was living at the time. And, um, I used um, the internet like everyone else, Google Maps to um, authenticate. I was very, very keen that, you know, everything should be accurate and, and authentic. And so I, um, I went and found the very bench that I had thought Mr. Chayton um, and Jackson would sit on. And lo and behold, the view was exactly as I thought it would be. So mm. I, I was really grateful for that. So it wasn't so much a research trip as a trip um, to authenticate what I had already um, written. Mm. Mm. And how long did it take you to write the book? From start to um, handing you 
the first draft took me about a year and it really took mm. that long because I was desperately trying to get the voices right and the foundation of the novel right and once that happened um, and I gave myself a deadline an impossible deadline I just worked like a dog and finished it and then of mm. course we had our, our process of, of going back and forth for several months. Um, you know, and, and I'm incredibly grateful for, for all your insights and, and the way your sensitivity. Um, and I, I put that in, in the acknowledgements of the book, Nicole. Not, it wasn't just a, 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 you know, a throwaway line. You were very, very sensitive to um, the characters and to... Um, the perception of a reader um, looking in at these characters. And I, I'll always be grateful for those small nuance changes that um, mm. you did, which, which made the book, I think, so much better. Mm. Well, it's hard not to care so much. The, the book is so wonderful and the character is so alive. You know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, it took you... Um, the amount of time it took you really to get the characters' voices because all three of the main characters are, are vastly different. And so I'm just curious how you kind of did that character profile and, and portrait. You know, I've heard of other writers using, you know, questions they ask their characters or, you know, they, they write their character stories separately from the manuscript. Um, you know, how did you, how did you really work to uh, define each one of the characters? I'm a newbie, so I took, um, I used everyone else's methods. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, J.K. Rowling says she writes absolutely everything down. So I, I thought, okay, I better write absolutely everything down. And that didn't help me. And then, you know, somebody else, uh, you know, constructs a whole world. And um, I tried to do that. And and that didn't help, but maybe all of those things helped. Maybe it wasn't one thing, it was everything. But more than anything else, you know, it was, it was when I could see them. It was when I could hear them. Um, and that just came from writing, just writing them in, writing them into being. And, um, and allowing them to be who they were instead of me being present. Again, it's about taking the ego out of it. It's, it's about uh, letting the character be, be authentic and true to themselves and, and their truth rather than your truth or your mm. agenda as, a, as an author. Mm. Do you remember a time, maybe specifically when, you know, you kind of had that awakening, like when you were writing and then the character kind of said something and you realized, oh, that, you know, that surprised me or, you know, this character really is their own person uh, versus, you know, just, just uh, retellings of your truth? Yes, I definitely had um, occasions like that with all three. I think um, <laughs> with... Uh, uh, solo it was when he was in New York and he um he was planting um pots of herbs on, on the windowsill and and um 
because he wanted to have fresh herbs like his mom had had in in her garden uh, yet there's a scene where she asks him to go and get fresh herbs and he's a real little monster and, and doesn't want to go and do it you know he's like oh <laughs> do i have to and um and yet here he is you know um as a young um, man in his early 20s and, and he's reproducing it. And I thought, gosh, didn't expect him to be like that. <laughs> um, so that was, that was a lovely moment. And I, I had similar moments for, for Betty and for Mr. Chayton. Mm. Well, before we sign off, cause I could talk to you forever, you know, I'm curious, um, you know, you mentioned that you're reading poetry. Uh, what are some of the poets that you're reading or, you know, some of the books that you've been reading during this time that you would recommend to readers? Um, there's lots to recommend, but actually, um, poetry aside, I, um, a few weeks ago, I, I just found I wasn't coping very well. My writing wasn't going well. Um, my personal life was a little difficult. and I felt um, I felt I needed inspiration, and um, I'm doing something which I find totally um, absorbing and inspiring now, and that is I am reading and rereading Toni Morrison, every mm. single thing that Toni Morrison has ever written, and I'm just systematically working my way through um, her ove, and it's it's just exquisite um right now i i'm reading tar baby mm. and uh but you know I, I song of solomon i i, I spent last week saturday it was just all song of solomon and um i've had similar times and it is so inspiring um to be reading and learning at the feet of a master so sometimes mm. if, you know, things aren't going right, you go back to basics, go and, and, and look at the craft of the very best. And um, I'm certainly inspired to go back to my own work. Oh, I love that response. I, I, I just um, took down jazz from my bookshelf and I, uh. I decided to reread that. Um, which I've just always loved that title. I've always loved that book. Um, so, you know, the one question that I feel like all readers will have is what are you working on next? Is it a novel? Is it short stories? Or, or what do you think it will be? So um, we have a saying in Trinidad that if you tell people um, your business too much, they might put goat mouth on it. And if they put goat mouth on it, that is the end of it. Okay. Cause they have now cursed your work. So I can't possibly answer to that except in outline to say that um, I am working on another novel and, um, you know, I hope I have something to show you next year. That's as much as I'll say. <laughs> That's very exciting. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been a joy per usual. Oh, my pleasure. And um, in, you know, whatever the new normal is, it must include um, some way of, of finding each other and, and mm. being able to touch and um, 
being each other's physical presence and I I I can't wait to see you. I know. I hope it's at the bench. I hope it's at the bench that Mr. Chaitan and Jackson met at. Oh, <laughs> oh that would be wonderful. Eating a um a, a, a curry goat or a curry duck roti. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> With the red solo. <laughs> With the red solo drink. And now, here's an exclusive excerpt from the audiobook, courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio. Betty! Betty! He didn't need to shout. I was already behind the car, opening the trunk to find the lunch cooler. I took it out carefully, along with his newspaper and jacket. Sunil stood waiting as I walked past the driver's door. His swift, sharp kick in my shin was half expected. Slow coach, you can't come when I call you? What, you're ugly and you're deaf? Upstairs, I rushed to heat up his food. He was already stinking of rum, but the first thing he did was get a fat glass and open a bottle of white oak. Solo was in front of the TV. Hey boy, your father reached home and you can't say good evening? Hello. Run and bring my slippers, boy. A man work hard whole week and I come home and have to ask people for my fucking slippers. I have a good mind to beat your ass today. Before Solo could get up, I ran for the slippers. I ask you for any slippers. Make the boy get up for a change. All he does do is sit in front of the TV. Solo continued staring at the TV, but I knew my baby was frightened. Solo, what you waiting for? Come here. Solo walked over slowly and carefully, as if stepping on mossy rocks. Take off my shoes and make sure they shine up good and proper before you put them away. The boy undid the laces, his short, stubby fingers trembling. My baby has only just stopped wearing pampers. Other children his age can't even do laces yet. But he made a mistake. As he pulled off the socks, he couldn't help it. His nose twisted up and the father saw. You find my foot smelling bad? Sunil shoved his toes right up in the boy's nostrils, then pulled back, but only to gain speed to kick his nose. If you see blood... Solo burst into tears and ran to the bathroom. Don't cry and run away. Come here. I froze right there. If he saw my tears, that would only make him more crazy. Solo, bring your ass here. Come. I didn't mean for your nose to bleed. Come, boy. He waited. I was counting the seconds, hoping he would cool off. His voice softened. Solo, I'm calling you. Come here. Solo appeared wiping away snot and tears. Toilet paper was pushed up both nostrils. Sit down. Were you learning school today? Yes. I'm right here and I can't hear you. Open your mouth when you're talking. When a person talking soft, soft, so, I know it's something they're hiding. Yes. Speak up. I'm speaking up. 
He grabbed Sulu's t-shirt, and before you could say Jack Robinson, the child was on the floor. Neil Dong. Yes? Yes, please. What you learn in school today? I don't know. You? The slap hit the top of the child's bent head. Don't. His foot rammed into the boy's stomach. No? He grabbed his hair. Solo was screaming. I was screaming. Leave the child, Sunil. Leave the child alone. Here do nothing. All I want is to find out what he learned in school today. That's so unreasonable. I ran to Solo's bedroom for his backpack, returned breathless, and shook it empty on the kitchen counter. Solo, show daddy what you do in kindergarten today. The child was crouched down behind the kitchen counter, crying. I found his letters book and pushed it in front Sunil. Look how the boy gone and write all his letters so neat, neat between the lines. And the teacher told me Solo's best in the class. Sunil flung the book like a frisbee towards Solo, then rocked back and drained his glass. I didn't move a muscle. Where my food? In tutus, I dished out the stew chicken, vegetable rice and green salad. Sunil used the fork like it was a shovel. When he's like this, anything can become an argument and any argument can become a fight. Like salt cheap. But I hardly put salt in the food. He rocked back in his chair. If looks could kill. You telling me you cooked this chicken and didn't put one set of salt in the pot? Silence. So what I taste in? Something must be wrong with my mouth. How I taste in salt, Sue? You know my pressure high and you giving me salt? Like you want to kill me, eh? I was careless. I'd left a rolling pin on the drainboard, easy reach of Sunil's chair. That rolling pin might have hit the wall or the bed or the chair, but it found me. Doctor said the ulna and the radius snapped in two. My arm was in a cast when we buried Sunil a week later. At the funeral, I told people it was no big deal. I must stop being so careless with ladders. But I talk half and left half. People used to look at me and Sunil and say, Betty Gill, you're real lucky. In my head, I wanted to ask if they make a joke. Lucky? That man only gave love you could feel. He cough you down? Honeymoon. He give you a black eye? True love in your tail. He break your hand? A love letter. He put you in hospital for a week? Love will stay the course. He take a knife and stab your leg? Until death do us part. Thank you for listening to Books Connect Us. For more great book recommendations and information about your favorite authors, feel free to follow Penguin Random House on social media or visit penguinrandomhouse.com. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps more listeners to find our show. This podcast is produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. I've been Aaron Leaf, and until next time, this has been Books Connect Us. 